Well, you only live once, maybe not. And this life right now might be all we've got. So let's contemplate the hereafter while we speculate with some laughter about this grim thing that happens to us all after that final curtain call. But before you take that final breath, let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and this episode gets a little bit dark because, uh, well, we talk about death. And I know that's what this podcast is about, but I mean like the actual act of dying. My guest today works in a hospital, and she sees people dying. She sees end-of-life type of situations, and we get into some of that. In fact, we get into a lot of that and how people react to their own deaths and how family members react to the deaths and, you know, just the physicality of the whole process. Uh, And, you know, and everybody's different. Everybody's death is different and everybody's, you know, just like everybody's life is, their dying is different too. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those subjects that I don't talk about too much on this podcast because usually it's what happens after we die this gets into what happens while we're dying. And it's, uh, that's, to me, that's the scariest part of death. You know, I'm not afraid of dying itself, but I'm afraid of lingering. I'm afraid of dying horribly. You know, and I'm not talking about being eaten by wolves out in the uh, forest or something like that. I mean, that would suck, but at least it would be over relatively quickly unless you're, you know, Liam Neeson and you're hanging around for like six weeks with bottles taped to your knuckles and things like that because you know he didn't die at the end of that movie come on anyway the uh the point i'm getting at is you know my brother died with you know cancer and that was a that was a long drawn out thing i mean if i go i want it well not if i go when i go i want to go quick but not all of us have that luxury and my guest gets into some of that on this uh on this episode and in fact, she, she made me promise to really promote the fact that you need to set some end-of-life plans. You know, Google that. Google end-of-life plans because it only makes it easier on you. It makes it easier on your family. There's no questions involved when it comes to attorneys and things like that. If you can set up end-of-life plans, you'll have your bases covered and nobody can say a damn thing. You know, But do it while you're of sound mind because once it gets to a certain point, it's too late. So again, Google end-of-life plans. So now, on a happier note, I'm going to introduce my guest, Rianne Olson. She goes by Ray. In fact, everybody that I know who knows her calls her Ray, but I knew of her before I talked to people who called her name out while I was around them. So for the longest time, they'd be like, yeah, Ray. And I'm like, who the hell's Ray? And I'm thinking this other person, Ray, that I know. So anyway, that was kind of funny, but uh, I think we might even get into it in the podcast. But yeah, so here's my episode with Ray and uh, enjoy. Good. You still uh, doing the same gig uh, as last time I saw you? Sure am. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. I know about it, but you know, people in our ears don't listen yeah. or don't know about it. I guess I shouldn't say they don't listen. That was a, that was a that was a Freudian slip on my part. So they're listening. Kind of We're not listening. What's that? Just kind of explain what I do. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so. What t- you know? What in fact? I really don't know what you do. I know I remember running into you a few times up on the third floor at the hospital there. But what? Give me give me a. I guess a rundown of a of a typical day for you, or a typical night, because I know you were working thirds. Mm-hmm. So I'm a patient care tech at uh, at the hospital. Uh, they use patient care tech instead of CNA because somebody with an EMT's license or an LPN license can also be a patient care tech. So okay. Basically, I'm a CNA. Okay. Okay. Um, certified nursing assistant. So, yeah. and I'm in the resource department in my hospital. So when I come in, I have to go to the nursing office and they'll have a little sticky note and tell me which floor, what unit I'm going to. And I have to punch in specifically to that unit, you know, payroll and all that. 
And then they pretty much tell me what I'm going to be doing. Okay. Okay. What kind of, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Resource kind of acts like extra staff, especially the PCTs is different from the nurses. What is a PCT? Because if you're in, hmm? What's a PCT? Patient care check. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that you said CNA, so my mind automatically went CNA direction. So, so PCT is the, is the acronym for them. Okay. I guess I should have known that. Okay. So, though, with the nurses on resource, basically you'll always have a team, a team of patients that you take care of. As a PCT, I can either be, um, I can either have a group of patients that I take care of, or I can be what's known as a close-ups or a one-on-one, which basically means there's a patient that's either confused or acting up or some kind of behavior issue that's not being managed um, that I have to sit either close by or sit in with them and make sure that they behave all night. Gotcha. Okay. Which can be exciting or it can be extremely boring. <laughs> so when I would hear those code grays and stuff, would it be those kinds of uh, people that would be, uh, for those listening, code gray was like a combative a patient. Um, yeah, like okay. a Dr. Strong at some hospitals or, you know, basically shit's hitting the fan. Send your biggest guys. We need help. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, And that's good that they've got those kind of codes for people. You know, the patients don't really know what it is, but, you know, because you don't want Mm -hmm. people panicking. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, how long have you been doing that now? I've been um, at the hospital for about two and a half years, but I've been a CNA for, let's see, I just renewed my license again, uh, four years. Oh, nice. Okay. So uh, I'm sure you've probably seen some interesting things. Yeah, some of the most interesting stuff, too, was before I was a CNA. Um, I started my medical journey as a unit secretary. Okay. I worked in Saginaw. Okay. So, And I worked nights there, too. I was also kind of a float deal. So between me and one other coworker, we would float the entire hospital. Back then, they still had paper charts. I'd have to read doctor's handwriting, which I got decently good at. There <laughs> tricks. Nice. <laughs> and put in patient orders. I'd have to go to all the codes. I would, you know, anything major happened. We once had a fire on one of our floors. Oh, wow. So I showed up and helped transfer patients from rooms to, you know, blocking off that section. Oh, like a full-on fire uh, fire, like not just yeah. a... Not a trash can yeah. fire. Wow. Okay. No, it was it was minimal. I mean, fire department still showed up. Oh, of course. I yeah. think one of the light ballasts blew and hit some linen that was sitting on a chair. Okay. So, and then I had to clean up, literally clean up the desk because there was smoke everywhere, and then <laughs> change probably twenty five, thirty charts. You oh, jeez, yeah change all the labels, relabel everything, move them into new spots, do all the computer work. It was a serious pain in the ass. That sucks. Yeah, that's... But, I mean, so they they still used... I know when I was working at the hospital last, we were using, uh, like, you know, computer software for all the records and everything. Were they still using the the paper records at that time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're still using the computers. Um, Every once in a while... Well, that was the hospital in Saginaw like five years ago. But um, mm-hmm. here we're still using the uh, the computerized systems. Yeah. We have very minimal in the paper charts. Usually for like your consent forms, anything that comes with the patient if they're transferred. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, that makes thing. sense. Face so, sheets for the doctor, all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's just easier than having to deal with trying to pull it up. You've got a handy paper copy. And then, of course, for signatures and things like that and releases and stuff, that makes yeah. sense. So. But, uh, so let's get into the nitty gritty. Um, you kind of gave me some, uh, some, some ideas here of some, some crazy stuff. What is, um, I mean, we know what the subject of the, of the podcast is. We're just going to jump right into it. What is the, uh, what's the craziest thing in sense of, um, whether it was a death or, and I'm not saying all like, Hey, let's make fun of it. I mean, that's not really what this podcast is about. It's, it's Mm -hmm. making light of death, but like, what is the most interesting, fascinating, uh, whatever type of uh, situation that you have witnessed yourself when it comes to, you know, the subject of death? Um, 
I think the most interesting thing on my end is mainly families. Okay. Their, okay. Um, their reaction to death, whether it's um, unexpected or planned, because uh, I worked in long-term care for a couple of years before I worked at the hospital. So I got to see a lot of different aspects. I'm sure. You know, um, families who knew that their loved one was, you know, on the way down, that kind of thing, stayed and helped care for them. Families that never came in and when they passed, yeah, just had the funeral home pick them up. Wow. And they lived like two blocks away. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. That's, how how did that like make you and the staff react when you've got somebody that you are, I mean, I'll be honest with you. One of the things with hospitals is, Hospitals, in my opinion, and I worked in one for years, but I mean, I've been, I've stayed in hospitals myself, you know, being sick and et cetera. It's not so much that they are there to, what's the word I'm looking for? They just don't necessarily want you to die there kind of thing. You know what I mean? In other words, it's like, we're going to get you better. And then you go home so that you can continue to get better. But when you've got patients that you are basically just preparing for that, you know, what I refer to on the the theme song is the final curtain call. You know, when you are mm-hmm. working with somebody and you've put all that effort into keeping them comfortable or keeping them alive or trying to get them resuscitated to have their family just discard them like that, does that make you, how does that make you feel? Honestly, it's pretty infuriating. I, that's would have been my guess, but oh. I wanted you to, you know, I wanted you to tell me how you, cause that, I would have been pissed. I would be pissed when that happens. It's like, really? That yeah. mean, they mean that little to you, you know, for so many levels, I'd be yeah. pissed, but you yeah. know, what, how do you guys usually handle that? Um, well, when, um, when somebody dies, it goes to the next of kin or the DPOA, which is a durable power of attorney. Okay. Um, paperwork you sign to basically say, if I'm incapacitated, I can't make my own legal decisions. I want X person to handle my decisions. That's a durable power of attorney. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you see it a lot with older patients and residents, you know, whichever your term may be, working in long-term care or the hospital. Yeah. But, you um, know, basically in... Um, In the nursing homes, you don't have to go as in-depth with um, aftercare as far as a nursing standpoint. From a CNA standpoint, it's all pretty much the same, unless the family has special requests. Okay. Which I've had one or two. Um, so after somebody dies, and usually, and I always thought it was interesting, it's something that you can physically see on somebody when they're dying. Like, um, explain. You know, given, given skin tone, and it's a term called modeling. Modeling? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. It's basically like um, a graying or sometimes a bruising of the skin, and the farther it advances, the closer somebody is to death. Okay. You can usually see it in the extremities usually the feet, and it starts to work its way up the body. How long does something like that usually take? um, It can kind of depend person to person. Sometimes it goes really quick. From the beginning of a shift, oh, their feet are kind of modeled, to the end of the shift, it's at their knees. To, you know, days later, maybe it's worked just the rest of the way up the foot. And, you know... Yeah, so, so it it's, really so and when, it can be hard to see with some people. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on their mm-hmm. skin tones, etc. But so when they find a body after five days of being like dead and decomposure or decomposure, decom mm-hmm. what uh, decomposing decomposition. Yeah, decomposition. Thank you. Hasn't started kicking in. Um, that they're that's when they're gray. That's what you is that kind of one of the ways they're able to de- like determine how long a body's been dead kind of thing is by the level of modeling um, well modeling can be kind of back and forth it 
And I said it kind of depends on the person. I'm not sure what exactly determines the speed of modeling. Okay. And sometimes not everybody models. They just kind of go, especially if it's un- unexpected. But you're talking like 80, 90-year-old woman oh, okay. who's, you know, been battling cancer and is slowly, you know, home hospice or comfort care. You can tell when it's coming. Gotcha, gotcha. And then usually once the... um the modeling starts, it reaches a certain point, then you have what's known as the death rattle. Yeah, what exactly is that? I've heard is, that term. Yeah, it's um, it's something you can literally hear when you're next to somebody, you're taking care of them. It's a way that they're breathing, uh-huh. you know, very labored, in and out breathing. It's very hoarse. It is kind of rattly. Like okay. they've got a bunch of junk in there. Gotcha. And usually that's what it is. Excess fluid in the lungs, as far as I know. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but it would make sense that it's extra fluid in the lungs that's kind of compressing their chest and causing that kind of phlegmy rattle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When you Just when you have a bad cold and it's got that almost like kind of rattly, yeah, when yeah. you're breathing. But But you know when they're doing the modeling and they're doing you know, final, yeah. final stages. The rattle usually means they're close. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh have you ever seen anybody who is modeling, but isn't, or I should say is more coherent, more aware, more, you know, they know they're going or is, does it, when modeling and death rattle and all that kicks in, is that usually when they're like out of it? Everything that I've, that I've seen and I've seen plenty, but I've certainly never seen, I haven't seen everything. Yeah, oh yeah. But um, usually once somebody reaches that stage, they're um, they're on such a high level of comfort care. Mm-hmm. We're giving them morphine. We're giving them Dilaudid, you know, for pain control, that they're pretty much unconscious. Gotcha. Okay, okay. That's, um, which would make sense then why something like mm-hmm. that, they probably aren't being, uh, the modeling, yeah. you're able to like see it just kind of, kick in because mm-hmm. yeah there's not much movement or activity in that so but uh so what is uh have you ever had instances where people have come you know gone out and come back kind of thing or any close calls or you know just being being a, P, a PCT see I used the right acronym there being a PCT did you have uh anybody like uh you know come in from an emergency, you know, an accidental bolt through the head or something, you know, and then all of a sudden they they check out for a minute and come back. Have you ever ha- experienced any of those? Um, not really. No, I mean, you get people who are very, very sick all the time, but, um, you know, um, actually in nursing homes, you would have, um, you'd see, you know, your residents who, um, when they come in, they just kind of sink into a depression. You know, they stop eating, they stop getting up, that kind of a thing, you know, kind of mourning the loss of their um, their freedom, individuality, that kind of thing. It's it's kind of a whole, it's a thing that happens sometimes. Gotcha. Um, Almost and, like they're mourning their own death. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's interesting. And sometimes when... Um, when people are getting close to going, sometimes they know it before we do. Sometimes we'll say, you know, you put them to bed at night. Okay, you know, love you, Miss So-and-so, and and, I love you too, because, you know, when you work with them every day, they're the ones that, we're the ones that they tell I love you at night and good morning when (laughs) they wake up, and it's a serious connection. Yeah. So it really hurts when, it hurts when they pass, but at the same time, it's, something we have to deal with absolutely well and and Um, if it's one of those things where you've had them in your care for such a long time it's probably for their best you know it's in their best interest to uh to go at that point because i'm sure a lot of them are probably not you know they're probably suffering Mm -hmm. to some degree at least yeah um but some of them they'll uh they'll start to decline and Sometimes they'll even be bedridden for a few days, and then the family will be around. And they'll think, oh, yeah, well, grandma, mom, whoever, they're probably going to go. All the family comes, and then they leave. And the next two or three days, 
even. Mm-hmm. They're up out of bed. They're going to dinner. <clears throat> really? So you've had dressed and gone around, and they kind of have their second wind almost, or at least sitting up and eating for a while. You know. Okay, so and you then, you've seen turnarounds yeah. to some degree then. Yeah, that's it's usually kind of a last hurrah, mm-hmm. and then they just go. Gotcha. So then that, yes. Well, it's not so much like a near-death experience. No. It's kind of, uh, yeah. But it's, I guess it's, it's, a uh, <clears throat> man, excuse me. Um, it would be almost more of like a, I don't know. A, a, yeah, like a last hurrah, a reprisal of some kind of like, no, I'm going to do this one last thing and uh, an, an encore. It's almost like an encore, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. We're going to do this last moment. We're going to have this last family time, and then I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's really kind of... Um, it's kind of strange, because when you work with people for so long, and you've seen that over and over again, the family always reacts the same. And it's, you know, oh, mom's doing better. Mom's, yeah. you know, mom's doing good. And then that night, you have to call them. They're gone. Yeah. What? I thought they were doing so much better. And it's always that kind of extra shock, unfortunately. But it gives them that last kind of time to see their their loved one doing well. Yeah. Well, and it gives them that time to be able to connect with them. And if anything, if if they know what's going on, if they know that it's uh, an encore, so to speak, mm-hmm. that they can say they can have time to say their goodbyes. Because I'm sure yeah. you see it all the time where people are like, I never had a chance to say goodbye. Uh, or, yeah. you know, in the case where they didn't care because they, you know, lived two blocks away, didn't mm-hmm. want to bother coming in. That's that that's irritating. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's – if anything, the people who experience that probably are grateful that they had a chance to say goodbye while the person had their faculties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what uh, – with that being said – you know what? What do you think? What What do you think happens? Where do you think uh, we go? What do we do? I mean, I'm, I've I've got all kinds of theories. That's the whole point of the podcast is you know, contemplating the inevitable. What do we? What happens when we die? You know, uh, is, is it a heaven? Is it is it um, you know? Is it a matrix? Is it who knows what? What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of hard to really think anything honestly. Um, I've I've kind of considered myself an agnostic. Okay. Yeah, I I kind of think there might be something. There's, I think there's too many coincidences and too many, you exactly. know, strange happening that, that there can't be something. But to narrow down exactly what it is, I'm never going to know. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing is, and that's one of the, you know, the themes of the podcast also is, is we don't know. We really don't know. Mm-hmm. And there's, and anybody who says they know for certain They've got a good guess. You know, they got a pretty good guess. They got mm-hmm. faith in it. And I, I won't knock anybody for their faith or their beliefs or whatever. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we might find that there's a group of 25 people that are living in, you know, some woods somewhere who have a cult where they're worshiping soda cans. And it's like, oh, well, they were the correct ones. You know, God is a giant <laughs> can of Dr. Pepper. You know, whatever. But it's, you know, it's a case of we don't know. We don't know what happens, you know, and, and, I, and, and I'm, I like your honesty, you know, and the fact that you're agnostic in the sense that you don't believe in a, I'm assuming, the stereotypical, you know, old man. I, I, every time I think of God, I picture God from The Simpsons, you know, with the legs and the beard and all that. You don't see the face. You just see everything else. Um, when people mm-hmm. say, you know, G-O-D with a capital G, God. Um, but, you know, there's a flying spaghetti monster. There's all different types of things. And, yeah, there's too many coincidences for it to just be random, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but... I think it kind of depends person to person. You know, religion, belief. Absolutely. Um, maybe that's kind of what shapes, you know, shapes what you see, what you experience, is your experiences through life. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's... What you think of as angels, what you think of as God and Almighty Being, Allah, whoever, yeah. you know, is what what you end up experiencing. Absolutely, absolutely. I think all angels look like Lemmy from Motorhead, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled that out of my ass. I just figured, eh, why not? No, but seriously, it's like, who, who are we to say? I mean, for all we know, angels 
are the celebrities here, you know? And we all, mm-hmm. quote unquote, worship them to some degree, don't we? You know, so, I mean, yeah. we, we could yeah. look at it in, in any kinds of, of speculative ways that, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just one of those things that, again, we won't know. And, and I think, yeah, I think a, a lot of times it comes down to the religion, what, how you were raised, what your belief system is. And I've said this before where I think a lot of religions basically are just rewordings for ultimately the same thing. You know, different names for the same thing. I mean, you can, you know, yeah. you can call it. Uh, I got a friend at work that we argue, uh, and we and he he maintains that Italians call marinara gravy, and so we go back and forth. It's gravy. It's marinara. It's ragu. It's whatever you know. And so we, we it's but it's all names for the same thing. It's red gravy. It's mm-hmm. just gravy. So. The point is, is I mean, how many names in the in the 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 the, the Christian and Jewish Bible, you know, uh, the the Jewish Old Testament Christian Bible, et cetera, et cetera, are there for God, mm-hmm. and how many names for everything else? And then you've got Hindu, you got Muslim, you got all the different religions, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I can honestly see why why you would want to be agnostic too, is because you can look at it from the other angle and be like, okay, well then who's right? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's got to be right. Maybe. Maybe all of them are talking about the same exact thing from yeah. a different perspective. From a different perspective, because exactly. if you look from if you look from the different religions, a lot of them um, kind of intermingle. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. There's, there's the walking on water. There's the risen from the dead. There's uh, December twenty fifth being the birth of whoever it happens to be, it's all kind of the same story over and over again exactly. in some of them. That's but it and Go ahead. The real basis of any of the religions though is the same. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Love many, thy neighbor, you know. How many metaphors and books do you need to not be a dick? Thank you. And that's really what it comes down to is you know, it's it's love thy neighbor or, you know, be good unto others, whatever you want to call it. It's really just, mm-hmm. yeah, don't be an asshole because it doesn't get you anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, those of you listening who, you know, the the the, the millions of you of listening <laughs> who've cut me off in traffic, don't be an asshole. But uh, no, but uh, yeah. I'm exaggerating about the millions, of course, you know, but I can dream. I can dream. But <laughs> oh, no, we might get there. We might get there. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, and and there are a lot of uh, rep- you know repetition. In fact, I've I've got a friend who uh, passed away last year who was essentially agnostic, and he uh, he he showed me this documentary about how you know all the different religions have the same kind of thing. So therefore, Christ was just based upon the same kinds of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, who's to say that they weren't all you know? I guess this guys or women, whoever, from the same kind of concept. In other words, look at it this way: so you've got you got a superhero who was representing the Muslim religion. You got superhero or superheroes that were representing. Actually, you know what? I learned something recently. Hindu is actually a monotheistic religion, from what I understand. And, and anybody who is uh, sell, uh, 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 follows Hinduism, if I've got this wrong, I apologize. I'm, I, I should brush mm-hmm. up on that stuff. But it's a monotheistic religion with different faces of the same God is the way I took it. And I thought that was fascinating, you know, because I always thought it was a polytheistic. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of in the same sense of, um, uh, like with, uh, the way it was explained to me, as it said, like, like you, Ray, you've got several personas. You are Ray. You are, uh, do you have any siblings? Nope. Jerk. You, <laughs> but you're Ray, your girlfriend, your daughter, your, you know, if you had, for example, if you had uh, uh, siblings, you could be aunt. There's many facets. Many facets, exactly, exactly. So, but that, that superhero who is the Hindu god and that superhero who is the Muslim, you know, and uh, 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 god mm-hmm. and, the, and the, uh, the Christian god, you know, Jesus, et cetera, et cetera, they all might be the same and I don't want to use the term superhero as a as a as a uh, insulting type of thing. I'm talking about that is their that mm-hmm. is their power figure of their religion, where it is um, the manifestation in in a certain way, and they're all basically doing the same kind of thing, trying to do the same kind of message. Like you said, don't be an asshole. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. It's uh, it's definitely one of those things that I I you know like toy around with. I've toyed around with it forever. You know, and, and, uh, 
who knows? I mean, death, death could be a different experience for everybody. I've, you know, I've talked to people recently who, who gave me that thought and that blew my mind. Cause yeah, if life is different for everyone, why would death be the same for everybody? Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's the craziest thing that you've ever seen in terms of death? You know, you talk about the modeling, you talk about the death rattle. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have someone, you know, come in with like, uh, you know, I didn't want to necessarily bring this up, but, and again, don't use names, but, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like what, what is the craziest thing that you ever saw where it was, you know, somebody died horrifically that, uh, you know, cause I've, I've heard of, I'll give you an example. I'll get you what I'm getting at. Uh, mm-hmm. uh. I've heard of people – you're familiar with the Zilwaukee Bridge. Um, f- people yeah. listening, it's a bridge that crosses over the Saginaw River in Zilwaukee, and uh, it was um, pretty high. It was a suspension bridge – It's or not a suspension bridge, but it was like a traditional bridge. Picture like the uh, um, bridges over like rivers in New York, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, – you know, it's up there probably a good 100 feet or so, and there have been stories of people who jump off the bridge. And I remember talking to a cop one time who said that the person jumped off the bridge, landed kind of half in the river, half not in the river, and they found them and they were still alive and they didn't want to die. And it's like, sorry, your your lungs are poking out of your chest, that kind of thing. There's nothing we can do for you. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see any... Any instances of that where people are aware, like really aware and, you know, because usually when people die horrifically, it's quick, you know, or people know it's coming for a while. Did you ever have people who were like aware that they were going to die? There's not a damn thing that can be done about it and they don't want to go kind of thing. You don't really see too much of that. Up on the floors, that would be more kind of like an ER thing. Gotcha. Or maybe okay. ICU. Okay. Um, I do I do work in ICUs every once in a while, but usually it's just for somebody you know won't keep their high flow on or is trying to pull out their central line and they're going to bleed everywhere if they do, and you need okay. to make sure that stays in or they're going to die kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah. That's that's my job. Make sure you don't die. Awesome. Only 11 hours and 55 minutes left to go, and then it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> so you're doing the you're doing the 312s, or? Yep. Nice, nice. I always thought that would be a cool shift. I mean, it's a long shift, but you got a four day weekend every week. That's kind of nice. Well, it's a uh, it's a rotation. Right now, I have four off because I uh, I think I do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a Wednesday, and then I come back the next week, Monday, Tuesday. So it's kind of broken up. But gotcha. it's a rotation every two weeks. I see. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned uh, being scared. What's what's? Give me give me an instance that uh, scared the shit out of you when you were dealing with a patient, whether it was a combative patient or a, uh, you know, some somebody like you said, pull yanked a line out and they're they're flatlining on you, kind of thing. What have you had any of those instances that really? I've never had on? anything that put a patient's life in serious danger. Okay, well, that, um, I mean, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I like to say I'm pretty pretty good at my job. <laughs> and hey. Nobody died that wasn't supposed to or going that way anyway. So you know what? Fault. Brag about <laughs> that shit because that's, that's something to be proud of, you know? That's definitely something to be proud of. So. Yeah, at the hospital, we try very hard not to let anyone die. Yeah. As in, like, oh, we're just not going to do anything. If they died, we didn't let them die. We fought for every You're second they had. Got it. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. I mean, that's well. I mean, that is that Hippocratic or Hippocratic oath, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. do whatever you can, um, to to mm-hmm. to preserve life. So, I mean, you're doing your job. You're doing. You're taking that oath. Yeah. So. And I happen to have my own. Uh, do no harm, but take no shit. <laughs> nice. Some nice. of the patients are assholes. I will admit that. And working in healthcare, you can't deny that. Oh, of Some course. patients are assholes. Well, let's be honest. You're dealing with people. You mm-hmm. know, not everybody's going to come through there. That's going to be a chipper old grandma or grand, you know, grandpa kind of thing, or or young kid mm-hmm. or whatever. So, I mean, that makes sense. But yeah, don't don't put up with shit. There's no reason you should have to. And it's cool that the hospital has your mm-hmm. back on that. You know, get a yeah. good backhand on them once in a while, as long as the cameras aren't looking. 
<laughs> no, but seriously, that's that's a good motto to take. You know, don't you shouldn't have to take yeah. shit on that. You're uh, you're there to help I them. Have, yeah. I did have one patient that absolutely terrified me once. Okay. I did not want to take them back the next night. I didn't. I was kind of scared shitless the first night. Um, Uber confused. Okay. Like long history of not only dementia, but also mental illness, schizophrenia, bipolar, which not all people like that are bad or angry or combative. This person just happened to be. Gotcha. They were also probably seven, eight inches taller than I were. <laughs> um, a lot more toned, muscle, older, but in in decent fighting shape. Let's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I had assaulted multiple staff while they were there. Wow. Why they would came they? In for something, um, they came in for something unrelated. I think it was an infection, a UTI or something, or urinary retention. They couldn't pee. Okay. Which a UTI, urinary tract infection, when you are older, one of the symptoms is confusion. Okay. okay. Or um, personality changes. They can become violent. They can become, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because okay. of this infection. It affects you different when you get older. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes um, sense. Yeah. This person, they were, um, they actually really liked me for a while. They were holding my hand and they were walking up and down the hallways and they were fine. And then all of a sudden, they wanted to go into a specific room, but the door was closed. Uh-huh. So I'd maneuvered them away from patient rooms before and yeah. it was fine. Um, well, also, he had, um, the IV pole, and we had the catheter bag I was carrying for them. So, and he wants to go into this patient's room. I told him, well, you know, I think somebody's sleeping in there. It's like about two o'clock in the morning. You know, can we let them sleep? Mm -hmm. And he turned to me, looked me dead in the eyes, said no, and opened the door. (laughs) And I tried to, you know, pull him away, and he shoved me. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, I've got his catheter bag in my hand, (laughs) and he's behind the door trying to slam it in my face. (laughs) This is, like, right out of, like, a... So I pushed my way in, and I had already yelled for my coworkers. I let him know that they were ramping up and, (laughs) you know, kind of be on edge. So I yell, I shove open the door, and he pushes me. Oh, boy. Slams me into this closet and then starts reaching for my throat. Wow. Meanwhile, two or three nurses come in and just grab him and pull him out of this poor guy's room. This guy, he was, he was so tiny, like malnourished and young too he's like cowering under the blankets and i look back i'm so sorry and i just leave and i shut the door behind me yeah i felt so bad well imagine waking up to that i mean shit right yeah that's but that i could just picture him behind the door and and you've got the catheter bag outside the door I've got a catheter bag. Like, oh my God. okay, slam the door. See how well that feels. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's gonna be awesome. Oh, that's that's like right out of like an Adam Sandler movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. But uh, well, you know, it would serve him right if he had uh, had successfully yanked that puppy out. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's some scary. Now shit. that would have sucked, and then we had to. We would have probably had to have CDI or continuous bladder irrigation. Which is a pain in the ass when the patient doesn't want to move around. Then we'd have to keep him in bed, and he doesn't want to stay in bed. Yeah, so, yeah. That would have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely some, some uh, scary shit. Have you, have you seen, speaking of, like, uh, delusion and that, have you seen anybody, like, get up and walk around when they're, when they're you know, getting close to the end and, and you know... Uh, you know, not not when they're doing the 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 modeling and all that kind of stuff, and, and when they're mm-hmm. just being you know sedated and, and made comfortable. But like people who, I guess you'd mentioned the people who have that little uh, again, I'll refer to it as the encore. Uh, people who have the encore mm-hmm. who get up and they're just kind of confused, walking around, seeing dead relatives, any of that kind of stuff, and all. 
Well, that's a normal daily occurrence for anybody working in a nursing home. Yeah, true. People are confused and just walking around and doing their thing and, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I wouldn't say they're necessarily like close to death or anything, but that that's pretty much a daily thing in a nursing home. <laughs> Half your patients are up and walking around. Oh, hey, Greg, have you seen Sally? Yeah. Sure. True. Yeah. Um, that way. I don't know. Yeah, well, and honestly, now that you mention it, I mean, my mom is in a home right now, and she she thinks some days that she works there. Because when I was little, she used to volunteer to nursing homes. So some days she thinks she works there. Mm-hmm. Some days she thinks that her her parents are alive. Um, you know, and of course, they would be like 110 by now. But uh, her parents are yeah. alive, and, you know, and she's going over there to see them. So, I mean, I'm yeah, I can only imagine the the stuff they see in a nursing home, you know, and then of course you've got even that more end result. You've got people who are being brought from mm-hmm. the nursing home there. So, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it sucks when people deteriorate like that, you know, yeah. it's, it would be on some, some regards, it's, it's kind of nice when someone can go out with their full faculties, but then in the same sense, they're kind of cheated. So it's like, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's what's, what's the better option. Yeah. So, and there's definitely been plenty of strange, strange occurrences, like post mortem. When I was, um, yeah, tell me about that. When I, I was at, uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of give you the little brief overview earlier. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. when I was working <laughs> in Saginaw as a secretary, mm-hmm. I wasn't even supposed to be in patient rooms. But one night we had these two patients down at the end of the hallway. They were right across from each other, very end of the hallway by the stairs. One was, you know, little old lady, maybe 85, 87, whatever. She was, you know, we were getting her ready to go home on hospice. The other one was, I want to say he was in his 40s, liver cancer, um, close to death as well. Very jaundiced, very puffy from all the medications and, you know, the chemo and steroids and all kinds of stuff. Um, It was probably about 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm sitting at the desk, and it was like death wandered up the back stairwell, took one, had final goodbyes, and then casually strolled across the hallway and took the other. Wow. They died within five minutes of each other. Wow. No correlation, no, didn't even know each other. Yeah. Nothing. That's, well, that's... Ugh. It was crazy. Well, you'd mentioned uh, postmortem. Like, what, what, uh, yeah. what, so what's some of the craziest shit you've seen with that? Like, uh, you know, I hear stories of, uh, yeah. you know, bodies well, doing all that kinds night of crazy shit. Actually, what, it was, so t- t- one of them that night was actually my first postmortem care. I wasn't supposed to be in the room, but my, uh, the CNA was like, well, they're dead. Fuck it. What are you going to do? Yeah. Kill them? Yeah. Like, okay. Besides, you want to be a CNA anyways. You might as well come and learn. Yeah, like, true. All right. So we go into the room, and what you do once somebody passes is you give them the final bath, um, change their clothes, new hospital gowns, fresh linens, everything mm-hmm. clean, everything white, um, especially if the family wants to say their last goodbyes gotcha. before okay. we put them in the bag and take them down the morgue or put them in the bag and wait for the funeral home to come pick them up. Yeah. However, it plays out how the family wanted it to go. If they have a funeral home picked out, they'll be called. We'll come and get them. If not, they still have to make arrangements. They'll go down to morgue for a while. Okay. So I helped her wash this little lady uh, removed all of her lines, her IVs, you know, took the nasal cannula off, all that kind of thing. Got her back down to just her. No drains, no lines, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped her wash her. We get her in the body bag, which are white, by the way. They're not black like you see on TV. Okay. I'm sure maybe the ones, like, outside, like, if you have an open area death, they'll be black. But in the hospital, they're white. They're white. Gotcha. So, and then we transfer her to this metal cart, which the ones in Saginaw, 
was like a flat cart, and then on each corner they had a hole for a post, mm-hmm. and then this topper went on with a um, like a fake sheet that slid down over it. So basically, it kind of looked like an empty cart rolling down the hallway. Nice. Okay. So the patients didn't know. Gotcha. Okay, was, I wondered about that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's actually kind of cool in the sense that it gives. Yeah last respect or so, you know, some kind of mm-hmm. dignity to the body while you're walking through. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. But I mean, it looks so much different than the other beds. It's kind of like slapping a sticker on a hooker and saying that it's not one. Well, yeah, you know? but most of your general, but you know, your patients aren't going to really yeah. pick up on that. Yeah. So, but, um, so we moved her to the metal cart and she had told me, well, grab a pillow. So I grab a pillow and I put it on the cart cause I've got her head. She's got the feet. Mm-hmm. We move her over, and she's like, okay, go ahead and take out the pillow. Um, I kind of yanked the pillow out <laughs> without thinking about it. <laughs> okay. And it was the loudest clang. <laughs> I remember I felt so bad. I just, like, froze, and I looked over at my coworker, <sighs> and she's just standing there, mouth open. <laughs> Why did you do it that hard? I'm like, I didn't know. She's like, it's a person. Like, Please tell me they can tell us it's pre-mortem or post-mortem head fracture. She's yeah. Like, it be fine. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I really feel like that woman may be haunting me now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, geez. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't even think about it. I was so disconnected from it. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, just when were... she was in the bag, you, it's. It's not like you're visually looking at a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten better since then. I'm sure. I'm sure. Have you have you ever uh, experienced any crazy? Yeah, I mean, you know me with the whole uh, haunted Saginaw stuff. Have you experienced any crazy shit uh, at the hospital at night? You know, or during the day? You know, hauntings don't have to oh, just yeah. take place. Okay, we got oh, a little yeah. time left. Tell we me, have, tell me some of your crazy stories have, there. We have electrical gremlins, which you know, electrical gremlins, sure. <laughs> we we call them our haunted rooms. Every once in a while, there'll be a room, a light will just go on. And it'll be like a second nurse verify or, you know, not something like a patient light. Yeah. It'll be something weird like that. <laughs> and it'll just go on. And we have to go in there and there's nobody in the room. That's that's creepy. That and is, then yeah. I did an orientation night down in the ER. And she was telling me, well, this one room here, we put, um, you know, if somebody dies down here, we put them in there because it's a really nice big open room. It's supposed to be for contact. You know, if somebody comes in contact with something and it's, you know, contagious, this room is, you know, the negative pressure lockdown. So it's nice and open and there's a back entrance to it. And but this is also, so this is where we put the bodies once they're gone. We have this little girl that... Uh, had drowned, and we worked on it for probably an hour, and she was in here. Family was there for probably three hours oh. before we finally took care of her. Oh, boy. But I've had nights where I come in, and, you know, to restock, and I'll tell you weeds or whatever it is, and I've had somebody tug on my scrubs. Really? It felt like something tugged on my scrubs. I've put a new gown on the end of the bed. I come back later to check the settings for the negative pressure, which you have to do every night, and the gown's on the floor. (laughs) I put it back, and I talk to all my nurses. Yeah, that's real funny. You guys know that's the haunted room. Who knocked it off? (laughs) And everybody just looks at each other. I'm like, guys, you got to be kidding with me. This, no. Who did it? Um, nope. So I went back there, and it was on the floor again. Again? Nice. Again. Did you ever... I put it on the bed, and I kind of said to no one in particular, you know, I'd like to keep this room really nice and clean for the next person who comes in, so if this can stay on the bed, that'd be really nice. (laughs) Reasoning with it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then after she tells me this, we're going around and restocking the rooms, and she, we left that one and went to the next one. And she goes, oh, by the way, I was telling you those stories. I forgot to restock the room. Go in and take care of that, would you? Like, <laughs> by myself. Hey, yeah, of course. 
you just told me this and you want me to go into that room by myself. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> That's I've I I remember uh I can't think of her name. There was a woman who worked there who was like uh she worked in laundry uh and linens and things like that. And she swears she saw like a almost like a a girl from like the ring walking around. Um however <laughs> true that is or whatever, but uh uh did you ever see crazy weird like things out of the corner of your eye or anything like that? Or just straight on visual? Because I I'll be honest with you, I've seen some weird shit at that hospital. You know, I saw um. I saw a woman, I swear I saw a woman when I was going to leave to go get something to eat. I turned around, I saw like a woman in scrubs. Um like you know, like it was a nurse or something, and I turn, I turn back to the door, and I look back, and she's gone. And there's no way she, there's no way she moved that quick, you know. So again, it could have been in my mind, I could have been, you know, imagining it, but she was clear as day when I looked. So, yeah, I've never had anything like that. Then again, when you're, when you're working on the floor, it's usually so busy, and crazy. Uh, true, true. You don't have a lot of downtime. Yeah. Sometimes at night, you, it's mostly just the call lights and that kind of thing that go off and. Well, of course, yeah, but it's oh, things that, that you'll and notice. Creepy feelings and empty rooms, maybe, and totally. Yeah, you just get this weird, like I don't know, something's something's wrong with this, and I don't like it. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's if it's something, you know, when it's busy, it's easier for me to notice something because I would work third shift by myself. There'd be nobody around, mm-hmm. so I would see any kind of movement. You know, I went down into the mm-hmm. basement one time. And I heard a little kid laughing, and I heard I learned afterwards that that was where the morgue used to be, and it was just like, oh, that's yeah. creepy, you know. This was three in the morning, and I'm hearing a little kid laughing in a hallway, and it was just like, fuck me, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, when you get all that, I thought it was funny at the at the hospital too. The cafeteria is seventeen hundred, the morgue is oh seven hundred, so it's literally right below right the cafeteria. Bel- the new one, yeah, yeah. They moved yeah. the morgue recently, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of gross, you know. But at least, hey, at least it's not twenty seven hundred, you know, because then you'd have leakage and all that kind of yummy stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I uh, um, I've I've heard stories at that hospital, but I mean, you're gonna get that at any hospital, you know. If there's gonna be hauntings mm-hmm. and stuff at any hospital, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you you see. But what I, what I was gonna say is is with you guys being so busy. You're not going to notice mm-hmm. everything, you know. For all you know, when there's 20 people walking through the hall, you're not going to notice the 20, you know, 21st person who just happens mm-hmm. to be there for a split second. So yeah, I could see why you wouldn't see anything. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the lights, there's no mistaking that. Linens falling off of things, and you go back in, and it's back on a floor, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's got to be fun, especially and on third shift. You know, yeah, you can have hauntings during the day. They just seem to magnify at night, you know, the, during the witching hour, whatever you want to call it. So right. it's always fun. But uh, Full moons are not a joke. It's, <laughs> it's a whole thing. I've heard that. My mom and used to work. The Q word, you don't, you don't say the Q word in a hospital. I don't even want to know what the Q word is. Quiet. Why? Oh, I'm, I'm curious now. Quiet. Shit goes oh, on. Oh, yeah. I have heard Every that. Every time. I have heard that. You're combative, weird, crazy person who finally went to sleep. Somebody walks by, wow, it's really quiet in here. I don't care if it's a patient walking around, a doctor coming through, a supervisor, a visitor going by. You guys having a quiet night? You Uh, shut your mouth. (laughs) Grandma starts yelling. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, break a leg in a theater kind of thing. You know, it's like you don't want to say Macbeth. But uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I have heard that. I my mom my mom was an RN for years in the uh, she worked in the nursery in, in Saginaw. N- nice. Oh shit, shit. Maybe uh, maybe they knew each other. Although then again, she's been retired for like almost thirty years. So, but uh, uh, anyway, I guess on that note, I uh, I definitely appreciate the chat. It was kind of neat catching up on uh, you know hospital stories and you know I remember running into you a lot of times when I'd be going in. in uh, cleaning the time clocks, which was so yeah. trivial. You know, it's like, okay. It was so much fun in the morning. Yeah, well, it was like, I... You're always smiling and just skipping around. I don't know how you had that much energy in the morning. <laughs> every time, <laughs> every time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it always seemed like, why am I going and cleaning time clocks when I've, all I did was, <coughs> excuse me, all I did was take a, like a credit card without a strip on it, almost like a time card without a strip, Put a put a put an alcohol swab on it and run it through it, 
and you guys are in a hospital facility with alcohol swabs all over the place, and you guys could have done the same thing. And instead of waiting on me, there were times where people were like, can you come and clean the time clock? It's like, you guys could do it right now, you know? But I would go and clean them because it got me out of the office. And mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'd run into you a few times, and uh, and it was, you know, it was it was interesting just catching up. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was cool catching up uh, today. So I definitely appreciate you talking with me, Ray. Yeah, no problem. You know, and I'm going to ask oh, you something. This this is this mm-hmm. is something. It's going to sound really weird because I know of I know of you as Ray, but your your mm-hmm. your name is spelled. How is your official, like, proper names pronounced? I always thought it was uh, Rianne. Is that true or not? Rianne. It is Rianne. That's what I thought. You know, and you would mm-hmm. think that I would know that, but I remember it was like for a while there because I would call you Rianne, and then you know. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody else would be like, oh, Ray, Ray. And I'm like, who is Ray? And they're like, Rianne. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So then I was like, then I just started calling you Ray. It's so. usually a hard name for people to remember. So I just, well, just call me Ray. It started in like middle school or high school. And, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Everybody so. at work knows me as Rianne, though. Yeah. You know, some well, of the names I have to learn, they can learn my fucking name too. You, just add it to your list. You got it. You got it. <laughs> people slaughter my wife's name all the time. So it's like she just. She'll, she'll be like, no, it's Angelique. It's not Angie. It's not Angela, you know. So, but, uh, well, hey, mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate the chat. And uh, say hi to everybody back in uh, Michigan there. And, you know, I'll mm-hmm. I'll, I'll definitely uh, keep in contact. Okay. Um, do we have uh, time for another, like, little little tidbit, I guess? On the, you know, on the subject of death and everything, um, working in healthcare. I mean, people are listening. I I like to promote it as much as possible. Um, it's it's a hard conversation to have with people. Okay. But you really need to have the conversation about end of life. Whether it's, you know, your parents are getting older, whatever it is, you know, um, what somebody's wishes might be. Because honestly, you never know when something's going to happen. That do they is... want to be kept alive? Do you want? Do they want to be a DNR? Do they want to just not be intubated? It's a conversation that not enough people have. I had a patient one night that really upset me. I woke my dad up the next morning, asking him, "What do you want to do? Wow! You know what? What is your plan? What would you, if something catastrophic were to happen, what do you want me to do?" I would be the next of kin. Yeah. Considering mom's gone, you know, what do you want? You know, understand your role in somebody else's life if something were to happen. And just, it can be a hard conversation, not necessarily that anything is going to happen. No, it's, but it's it's real. It'll help give you peace of mind. Absolutely. What you do, if something were to happen, is the right thing to do. Do you have any, uh, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that. You know, I feel kind of, feel kind of bad that I uh, was like, hey, well, hey, it was good talking with you. And you brought up a real serious subject, but I mean, this is actually very good stuff. I mean, this is something people, I agree, they definitely need to know. I mean, we had a we had a situation. I won't get get into it, but it was a mess, you know. And I've got a friend going through the same kind of mess right now. And uh, in fact, just yesterday, he posted an article about you know. He's like, I'm dealing with this same kind of bullshit. Um, do you have resources or anything like that out there that you could recommend, uh, like a service? You know how there's like um, uh, Rocket Lawyer or whatever the hell it's called, or or you know uh, uh, the the online lawyer sites, et cetera, et cetera. Are there any places that you know of that I can? I'll just put it right in the liner notes. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there's something online. I can't really think of anything right now that you can, you know, an online resource probably okay. to, to get your affairs in order. Okay. Um, the most important thing, though, that I I would recommend, though, seeing it on a daily, well, mostly daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people who are fighting over, well, we know that they said they want to be in a, a DNR, but a do not resuscitate, do not, yeah. but be family is not adhering to their wishes and we're putting a feeding tube in them. We're 
you know, doing all these things and they're suffering. And they're, we yeah. can physically see them suffering. Their yeah. voice is hoarse because every time they turn them, they're yelling that Ugh. it breaks your heart, especially yeah. when you know that's, that's not what they want. Yeah. And this is, so this any, is different. Anytime you go to uh, um, a doctor's office, anytime you go to the hospital, um, anything medical, you can always ask them about durable power of attorney. Paperwork. Durable power of attorney. I'm going to, I'm going to put that, uh, I'm writing that down. DPOA or durable power of attorney. Good to that know. That little paper that says, I want this done, this done, this done. I want this person to be in charge of the decisions in case something happens to me. I sign, you sign, a witness signs. This is a legal binding um, paperwork. In fact, now that you mention it, there was one time where my mom went in for surgery. And she... <sighs> She's been so close and knocking on death's door so many times, it's almost like she's a cat, you know? This was like one of the – probably 15 years ago I had this happen, and uh, I do remember signing one of those because they were going to bring her in for open-heart surgery, like triple bypass, and the doctor was like, let me look at that x-ray again, and it turned out all she needed was a stent. So, But mm-hmm. uh, that was one of those things that I signed, and I'm like, holy shit, is this real? And they're like, yeah, you know, she may not wake up from this. And I'm like, okay. So, but yeah, I do remember signing. It was, this is what I want. This is who I'm, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. but uh, cool. I will put that at least that, that terminology of durable power of attorney, yeah. um, end of and life. It's never too early to talk about it too. No, 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 no. Nick's My wife and I talk about it. I would like, I'm aware of what Nick would like, you know, we're not married yet, but, no, but you know, if something were to happen, they would trust either one of our abilities to know what to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's never too early to have that kind of conversation. I agree. get the ball rolling on paperwork, on whatever it is. Well, and and not only that. Children, if you have, you know, or if you have nobody, if you have no family. Yeah. Definitely. Have somebody that you can trust, you know, a friend, an acquaintance, whoever you trust. Yeah. to sign that paperwork for you. Because otherwise, it's all kind of up in the air. You know, we're not exactly sure what to do, what not to do. There's no family to contact. A lawyer has to be brought in, a, um, a legal representative outside that kind of makes the decision, and they're not going to know what you want. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Well, and, and not only that, when you're talking, if it's somebody who has no family, isn't is it the hospital's, you know, almost duty to keep them alive if they're told not to do not, you know, if they're not told to do a DNR, do not resuscitate, isn't the hospital obligated to keep them alive or not? Yes. Yeah. And so you can linger. Unless there's a filed DNR, um, we, we need to do everything. That's a, that's some scary shit. If, if it becomes so advanced that, you know, well, we need to think about hospice care and this and that. Maybe we need to bring an outside legal representative to maintain their rights yeah. as, you know, as such. And they'll decide when it's far enough or if we just switch to comfort care. And because of feeding tubes and all that kind of stuff, you know, outside nutrition and you could be lingering for way too long. Oh, yeah. I way mean, longer than you want to. Totally. You hear about people being in comas for years. Mm-hmm. You know, and they can keep you alive. They can keep tubes pumping into you if, if, it's, if it's, you know, brain damage, for example, and you can't speak up for yourself. Yeah, that's that's some scary shit. So, Or even if you're not in a coma, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are people that are just so out of it mentally, they can't for themselves. Absolutely. They may know what's going on on the inside, but they may be so aphasic or so unable to talk. They can't tell you. Yeah. Ugh, that's some scary shit. Because I, if that's one thing I've always said is it's like, I don't want to linger. I want it to be gone and done. Yeah. So, well, I do appreciate that bit of uh, advice to everybody listening. So definitely take that into consideration because, again, you never know when it's going to happen. I mean... Yeah. You could get in a we car see accident. We see totally, you know, massive heart attacks, a stroke, you know, um, something rupturing, causing massive bleeding, whatever it is. We see that all the time. Ugh. Unfortunately, people come in and out of ICU. Sometimes they get better, sometimes they don't. 
Yeah, that's some you know, scary some shit. People who are 95 years old that are little tiny, frail, whatever, they're still a full code. Yeah. Their family doesn't realize how aggressive CPR really is. Somebody that's skinny with no extra meat, their bones are so brittle, it's, it, they're probably not even going to survive the act of CPR. We're going to break their Every ribs rib. so much yeah. that it's going to puncture along. It may puncture the pericardium, it may puncture the actual heart. Ugh. And they're just going to die from the act of CPR, Damn. which is a terrible thing. Because yeah. when you do CPR, sometimes we bring so much oxygen back to the brain that you become semi-conscious. Oh, Jesus we don't Christ. Know. So you're, yeah. you're feeling this and you're aware of, oh, God. Possibly. I mean. There could be a horror movie called really just. what's going on. CPR. You know, just a horror yeah. of that. Bringing people back. God. Yeah, that's the yeah, stuff you don't think um, about. If you have Netflix, um, Extremis goes into the whole thing about um, end-of-life care, CPR, that kind of thing, different situations, and how it's affecting this person's end-of-life. It's an extremely well-done documentary. It's I short, will... but it, it really brings to light that kind of what you don't understand about do-everything means. That's yeah okay. I will put that in there. I'm 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 gonna put a lot of these things in the in the notes. I mean I don't know if I can necessarily endorse something, but a suggested thing from you know on your behalf if I can say that. So, um, but uh, yeah, I I appreciate the advice. I'm you've got me thinking about it. I'm gonna probably take that serious because my wife and I, you know, for years I've been saying you know get a will, get a you know a trustee, get et cetera et cetera, but. I, something I never really thought about is that power of attorney that, you know, that end of life. What, what do we really want to happen? Cause we taught, we've told each other, you know, we both want to be mm-hmm. planted as trees. Okay, fine. That's after we're dead. What happens before then? That's something we never consider. So, okay. Well now, <laughs> yeah, I, again, I do appreciate you. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the chat and uh, that extra information. That was some, that was 10 minutes of some heavy-duty shit right there, so I do appreciate that. That's uh, People are going to appreciate that as well. It's something I really like to try and push. If we can't help save somebody, giving them at least a better death is a last thing that we can do for them. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, well, you have yourself a you know, good life at least. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. I know you got it. You know, knock on wood, a lot of years ahead of you guys. So, but uh, say hi to Nick and Laura for me, and uh, I will talk to you later. I will talk to you later. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, that is some uh, scary shit there. So, definitely, I would say um, look into that durable power of attorney. Don't uh, don't put it off. That's something she's got me thinking about. I'm going to look into that as soon as I can because, uh, yeah, you never know. You never know when it's going to happen. So uh, definitely something to think about. So in the meantime, you know, live your day. Live your life. Live your life one day at a time. Live YOLO, all that kind of stuff. But uh, have yourself a good day. Have yourself a good life. And, yeah, just uh, enjoy yourselves.